0: From St. Mark's Episcopal Church in Houston, Texas, a joyful Christian community, this is Soulful Sundays, a weekly podcast of our 5 o'clock service. I'm Patrick Miller, Director of St. Mark's. Welcome. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Lord, Jesus said to the Pharisees There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, who feasted sumptuously each day. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. But Abraham said, child, remember that in your lifetime, you received your good things and Lazarus in like manner, evil things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so and no one can cross from there to us. He said, "'Father, then I beg you to send him to my father's house, "'for I have five brothers, that he may warn them "'so that they will not also come into this place of torment.' Abraham replied, "'They have Moses and the prophets. "'They should listen to them.' He said, "'No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, "'they will repent.' He said to him, "'If they do not listen to the Moses and the prophets,' Neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. you, Lord You may be seated. In the name of the one God, the Holy Trinity, amen. Dressed in an ill-fitting suit and shabby shoes, I was feeling nervous. How could I not be? I was meeting Mr. Stanley Marcus, whose family founded Neiman Marcus, the luxury department store. I was in my early 20s and a designer for the Dallas Museum of Art, I was meeting with Ham to design the exhibition brochure for his private collection, but I was worried about what he would think of me when he saw me. I was clearly not shopping at his store. I was fresh out of college, working for a nonprofit, and barely scraping by. How would he treat me? To my relief, he was warm and respectful. I didn't feel judged at any point. In fact, throughout our project, I felt appreciated and encouraged. When I approached him at his book signing many years later, he remembered me, and he asked about my professional work. He handed his business card to me and said he wanted to follow my career. Honestly, I was a nobody. Why would he care? Others confirmed this was just the way he was. One friend waited in line with him at Doherty's pharmacy. He was patient, kind, polite, waiting his turn just like everybody else. He was a philanthropist and contributed to the community in significant ways. But he was not huffing and puffing, offended that he had to wait in line. He was not fuming, do you know who I am? Which we all know is code for, I matter and the rest of you don't. No, that wasn't Mr. Stanley, as he was affectionately called. When he made it to the front of the line, Mr. Stanley spoke to the pharmacy clerk with the utmost respect. It's worth noting that in his book entitled, Minding the Store, he wrote, Rarely do people reveal themselves for what they really are as they do to salespeople. Undoubtedly, he had feet of clay and moments of not being his best self, as we all do. But Mr. Stanley's reputation and my firsthand experience of him reveal what must have been a personal commitment to being respectful and kind to others. He was also a rich man. Today's gospel story is about a rich man who moved through life in a very different way from Mr. Stanley. This contrast is important because it is not uncommon to get stuck in feelings of guilt when we hear Jesus tell stories about rich people. This can make it difficult to hear the good news waiting for us in these same stories. Because by world standards, all of us are rich. By way of hard work, opportunity, chance, or generational wealth, or all the above, we are rich. Some may be Mr. Stanley kind of rich, and beyond. So however you heard or didn't hear today's scriptures, money itself is not bad. Being rich doesn't make one a sinner, just as being poor doesn't make one a saint. The problem is found in the human heart, and the rich are uniquely at risk. As Paul points out in 1 Timothy, wealth can serve as a gilded door to temptation, leading down unjust paths that ultimately destroy lives, the lives of others and our own but that's not god's hope or vision for any of us the good news is that god loves all of us the nobodies and the somebodies the poor and the rich we are all children of god and in the person of jesus christ god takes it personally and how we treat one another especially the vulnerable that's why jesus went to the trouble to tell us this story God loves us enough to teach us and show us a better way, the life-giving way, So let us have ears to hear. Though Lazarus lay at the rich man's gate day after day, the rich man was blind to Lazarus and his desperate situation. Then even in the afterlife, in the great reversal that happens, The rich man's attitude toward Lazarus amazingly does not change. Did you notice that? And he is not repentant for his cold-hearted oversight during his lifetime, but asks Abraham to send Lazarus to attend to his suffering and do for him what he himself never did for Lazarus. When the rich man pleads for a warning for his family members, Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. In other words, this is not secret knowledge, but foundational to our faith and available to everyone now. God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, outlining what loving God and neighbor look like the prophets emphatically remind God's people that their covenantal relationship with God has real-world implications, requiring compassion for the most vulnerable within society, the poor, the sick, the orphan, the widow, the stranger far from home. With God's grace, these foundational faith teachings shape our hearts direct our actions, and inform our attitudes toward others. It sets us on a particular path, drawing us closer to God. This great chasm that has been fixed between the rich man and Abraham with Lazarus has its own parallel in this life because wealth can create distance between people. Wealth divides and subdivides us into neighborhoods, schools, and social groups. Money allows one to buy one's way out of problems and hardships. Economic power allows one to exit the messy web of interdependent relationships that the rest of us necessarily rely on for survival. Wealth allows one to enter into the fantasy of independence. And that others don't matter. This movement away from others corresponds to the movement away from the heart of God. And so what do we do? Jesus tells us in the gospel, we must be intentional in our return to the foundations of our faith, Moses and the prophets, and the love of God in Jesus Christ. When we choose to live the life of faith with God's help, We are ever reminded that we belong to God and to one another. We are to love God and love our neighbors. And intentionally living this way, money is not bad, but is used for good and for God's purposes. I opened my sermon with a story about a merchant, and so I will close with the story of another. Her name is Lydia. And you can meet her in the Acts of the Apostles. She was a devout Jew, following Moses and the prophets. She was a dealer in purple cloth. Think of her as the Neiman Marcus of antiquity, for only wealthy people could afford purple material. Lydia met Paul, and the Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to the good news of Jesus. And as a result, she and her household were baptized, and she urged Paul and Timothy and their companions to stay at her house. She hosted them. She must have had a big house. Lydia was the first European to convert to Christianity, and in fact was the founding member of the Christian community, which began to meet in her home. Lydia was also a rich woman. But she is remembered for her faithfulness and willingness to share what she had. We here today are beneficiaries of her generosity. She chose a life of connectedness and interdependence, drawing her closer to the nobodies and the somebodies, and drawing them all closer to God. Paul knew Lydia. Lydia. And I wonder if he told her the story of this rich man and Lazarus. Listen again to Paul's teaching. For those who in the present age are rich. For he writes with the purpose that they may take hold of the life that is really life. Paul must have witnessed this in Lydia. Lydia. And it helped him articulate it for us. My friends, my brothers and sisters, God loves all of us and has plans for us. And may our hearts be open to God's hope and dream for us. Amen. This episode was produced by St. Mark's Episcopal Church in Houston, Texas. Special thanks to our band, led by Cameron Deason Hammond, and featuring Jeremy Nuncio, Asher Pudlow, and Andrew Gordon. Join us every Sunday for Soulful Sundays at 5 p.m. at St. Mark's 3816 Bel Air Boulevard in Houston, Texas, or visit us online at stmarks-houston.org.